welcome back to Did You See? It is a podcast for each week, two friends, myself, Dan, one of those friends, and himself, Mox, get together and ask and answer each other the question that friends have been asking and answering since the dawn of stuff to talk about. Hey, did you see? So, Max, I'm going to start off with something that's really stuck in my craw since I read it uh, the other day. Did you see that the budget for the first season of Amazon's Lord of the Rings series is estimated at $465 million. Is my B story. Ah, yeah. Yep, yeah, I did. The largest budget for a television season in television history. Yeah, I... That number has stuck in my craw. Like, Game of Thrones cost $10 million an episode. Mm-hmm. For, you know, and they did 10 episode seasons. So unless this is 46 and a half episodes, I can't fathom this. That number's insane. It's, like, ridiculously expensive to make. Like, an absurd amount of money. Yeah. Like, what What are they doing? Like, what? what is this going to be? I hope Lord of the Rings. But, but even that, like, I understand. Like, Peter Jackson was out there breaking off some new technology 20 years ago when he made the first ones. Yes. But $465 million for a season? It's really surprising to see. It's unbelievable, especially because we know nothing about it, even though it is shooting. But we don't know if it's got, you know, we we don't really know the cast. We don't really know exactly what the story is going to be covering. We know Mm -hmm. it's basically a prequel, but maybe it isn't. We don't know how many episodes it's going to be. We don't know anything. Apparently, Amazon does, and they're willing to, you know, shell out billions upon billions of dollars by the time this series is done. Um, And yeah the reason for the big budget probably is because New Zealand gives a 25% grant uh, rebate. Mm-hmm. So they're getting 116 million of that back, but even taking off 116 million, it's still $349 million being spent on this. It's really an amount of money. That's hard to fathom for a television series. There's legitimately no way that it's actually worth it. Right? Like there's I... no way that this is worth half a billion dollars. I just don't know what they're bringing to the table that's going to be like, I'm going to look at the screen and go, whew, if you guys had skimped on a couple mil, this would not be as good. Right? Like what even, cause I know you're a pretty big fan of Peter Jackson's three Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? What? Like, <laughs> so for reference, because I'm, I'm looking at it. Uh, the budget of, uh, the budget of Fellowship was 93 million U.S. Mm-hmm. Shot in 1998-9, right? Because mm-hmm. they shot for so long, they shot for like two years consistently. Right. So let's, let's be generous and go for year $2,000. Sure. Okay? So, year 2000, I have 93 million dollars. Nope, that's 9.3 million dollars. $93 million uh, is $143 million. Okay. So this is more than three fellowships. Yep. What? <laughs> more than three fellowships. But right, like what? What? No, it's it's one of those things that I just can't. I can't think of what's going to be on the screen that I'm going to say. Totally justified, everybody. Great job here. Yeah, especially because the budget for all three of the movies was about 93 to 95 million. So, 
let's do 143 times 3 is 429. So even after the tax rebate from New Zealand, they're spending more money on this one season of series than they did on all three of the Lord of the Rings movies 20 years ago. That's hard to believe. That's unfathomable. That... Why do you need to spend that much money to make a fucking television show? It's a fucking television show. It's and that doesn't count the money they they spent to uh to get the IP itself and yeah. actually like make the TV series. Uh so uh, apparently the series is directly employing more than 1200 people and there are approximately 700 other workers employed by uh providing services to the production. So they've got 2000 jobs approximately created by this, maybe 1800 1900 jobs. But still I don't I don't see it. Right. I just don't see, like, this, this better, like, I better legitimately orgasm while watching an episode or all of the episodes of this season, and I still don't think it's going to be worth it. No, I'm pretty sure, like, the Lord of the Rings porn parody costs less to make. Yeah, um, oh my god, what is it called? Anyway, I know that, uh, it's Dildo Scroggins is one of the characters. That uh, sounds about right. Yeah, um... <laughs> Both but, the name and that you know it. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, Horn of the Rings. No, it's something much worse than that. Um, okay. I'm sure. I'm sure I will be able to find it because I am now on the Wikipedia page of the uh, woman who starred in it. Oh my goodness! Lord of the G-strings. Oh, yeah, it's way worse than Porn of the Rings. The female ship of the string. Wow. Yeah. It's wow. 90 minutes long. It is a made-for-cable, uh, basically nudie cutie. Wow. Yeah. Lord of the G-strings. All right. <laughs> so be it, I guess. But, but yeah, I'm I sure mean, that was cheaper. I'd certainly. If, if that cost him 20 bucks, I'd be surprised. Yeah. But I just don't... I, I don't know, man. I just, I can't fathom these insanely ballooning production costs anymore. No, it's, the whole thing is just hard to, it's just hard to understand. It's hard for me to justify it. Even if you break it down as 10 individual films, the budget is still ridiculous yeah, across 46 the board. 46 and a half million for each one hour film. Right, if they're you know if it's ten episodes or how I mean break it down per episode, whatever it's going to be. I mean these, this is ridiculous. I mean they're going to be shorter than films, and yeah. it's just hard to believe that they needed this much money. I mean like, I hope it's something awesome. I hope it's like wow, we've never seen any. I mean Game of Thrones was like that, right? Like wow, we've never seen anything quite like this on TV. Uh-huh. So I hope that that's what they're doing. But, but it's got to be have... that good again. Like yeah, they have exactly. to push it that high again. Right. It's got to be something that's so unfathomable that it's like, wow, like this is completely insane. I mean, it's a gambit. I mean, I hope it pays off for him, I guess. I mean, I hope to get to see more fantasy, you know what I mean, both on TV and film, but it seems dicey. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's it's just, it's beyond beyond. And it really, I think it's it's perfectly indicative of the problem with television and cinema right now. It's it's mm -hmm. just how much money can we throw on this pile and people just like whatever happened to like the mid budget film, you know, whatever happened to like just 
you know, non-dumpster garbage TV, but non-blockbuster TV. It's it's scary, right? Because so much of this streaming and style of the way we're telling stories now, it's getting to that, you know what I mean? We're getting to the, it's either super low budget or it's super high budget. And we're starting to eke out the middle, mm-hmm. which sucks. And on top of that, it's like not, I can't really find a way to word how it makes, how it must make the rest of the industry feel, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, no, it's crazy. Because when you see this, like even successful people working in television, they see this number and they're just like, well, shit, my great series that ran for 20 years, you know, not 20 years, but like 10 years didn't cost that much. Right. And you know, why, why do they get it? But I don't. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just ridiculous, and it's not fair. It's so strange. It's kind of bullshit. It, I mean, it makes you really think that about the, you know, the industry in general, on the whole. Well, like, it's kind of like, that's horseshit. Money really has no value or meaning anymore, so whatever, no. you know, they were, <laughs> you know, especially in this, you know, this day and age of direct deposit and streaming services and ain't nobody writing checks. It's all just automatic payments and direct deposit and ones and zeros and bank accounts. And, and normally I don't have a problem. Pardon? And dog meme coins. And dog meme coins. But none of it really matters. And at the end of the day, Amazon, the other thing is Amazon can afford to take this gamble. You know, mm-hmm. Amazon can spend $465 million to get 116 of it back immediately from the government of New Zealand and then get the rest of it back later. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the other part where it's not fair. It's just like now you're now you're getting into, okay, if that's what TV budgets are going to be, fewer people are going to get to play in that space. Even, you know, real, you know, air quote, real studios. Mm -hmm. You're going to you're going to edge out a lot of people because people are going to go, well, it didn't cost four hundred million dollars to make, so it must suck. Right. The bar gets set at a certain level and only certain players can reach that bar. Yep. That's the high stakes table, right? Like you're only allowed like the Yeah, this is for the whales. And the whales are Netflix, Amazon, and Apple. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's who's allowed to play and everybody else can fuck right off. Yeah. HBO and AMC can't compete anymore, even though they don't have to, fortunately. Mm -hmm. But they couldn't even if they wanted to without partnering with one of these three giants. And you're just, you know, again, I'm not gonna say that this is the, the beginning of the end of television, but I could certainly see an argument 10 years down the road for this being the beginning of the end of television as we know it. Absolutely. You can watch that YouTube video titled exactly that. Really? Sure. I mean, that's oh, yeah, got to happen, right? I guess somebody's going to make that. Yeah. Somebody's going to yeah. make that. I didn't think about that, but yeah, some, some angry person is going to, you know, call this the beginning of the end of television and it, it, but it is to an extent, but does that matter? I guess not. And that's the other thing is like, as enthusiasts, does it matter whether we're upset by this or not? If the show breaks all records for streaming and, you know, destroys monetization, every monetization model for the next 20 years. Right. That's, and that's exactly it. No, we don't, it don't mean a thing. No, it ain't got that swing. No, no. Shoebop, 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 shoebop. <clears throat> so... I have a semi-related story to that has to do with selling things, particularly moving picture art. Okay. Is it about uh, uh, NFTs? It is. Aha! I was wondering <laughs> which one of us would be the first person to bring NFTs to this, because guess what, Max? I have opinions with a capital O. 
Good. Did you see that Kevin Smith is selling his new film, Kilroy Was Here, as an NFT? I had a feeling this was what we were going to be talking about. Yep. So let's start at the beginning and explain exactly what an NFT is. Oh, I'm here for this. I want I want your explanation of an NFT after I once broke your brain explaining cryptocurrency. Yes, yeah, so NFT is a non-fungible token. What is a non-fungible token? Well, Dan explained it kind of a little bit because he was talking about blockchains back when we were talking about the digital trading cards, the collectible cards. Which are were... technically NFTs. Yes, they are. Um, so, essentially, an NFT is a unique little tag on a piece of art or on something that makes it unique, right? So it'd be like taking a, let's just use an example of a penny. I can trade you a penny for a penny, but if I take a penny and I have Banksy do artwork on it, and I have a unique penny and I cannot trade my unique penny for any other penny like it. It is unique. It is the only penny that Banksy did this particular piece of art on. To to, so, to to interrupt just slightly, you cannot equitably trade it for any yes. other thing. That's why that's where the fungibility part of it comes in. Yes. In non-fungible, because you could trade it for another penny if someone or you didn't know the value of it. The value yes. of it. But there's no equitable trade for the same item. Exactly. So that is what these and this little tag that's put onto something kind of explains. So the best the best analogy I've seen for it is it would be like having the Mon a print of the Mona Lisa versus having the Mona Lisa. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the idea is, so these things, Kilroy is here, will be a film and anybody will be able to watch this film, but somebody will own the original final version of this film. And they'll be able to, in this particular case, uh, seek out distribution. They will be able to sell it. They will be able to keep it and just go, I'm hoarding this and I'm going to do my, be my best to make sure nobody else will ever see it. Whatever the owner of this particular Kilroy was here, NFT wants to do with the the film, the actual piece of art, they can if they want to and if Smith will sell it to that person. But he doesn't care. He just wants to sell it to somebody as an NFT so that he makes his money from the film. And gets everything's all good. Exactly. And kind you know, of like when Martin Shkreli bought the masters for that Wu-Tang album or not the, the bought that one Wu-Tang album, then they destroyed the masters. Uh, yes, it, it's basically that. So I know I kind of cut you off there, but I'm I'm about to boil over on this shit. Digital art NFTs are such a fucking joke. It's really something that I didn't realize how big it was. Like I knew it was a thing, but I didn't realize how big of a thing it was. It's like I knew about the huge. Grimes thing. Yeah, and like I knew about some of the other things that happened, the videos that got sold, like the little music videos and there's obviously like the animated stickers and things like that that I was aware of, but I didn't realize just how big of a like a hub. There's multiple websites where you can sell your your NFTs, like your artwork. And it's which completely think insane as an artist, though, because as an artist, I can sell you an NFT for this thing, and then I can still reproduce the original file because it doesn't fucking matter. You don't own anything. You mm -hmm. own a ledger on a blockchain that says you own this thing. Like that that's where my my understanding of the comparison between the Mona Lisa and the prints of the Mona Lisa, even if you're buying the NFT, you're still buying a print of the Mona Lisa because all of the files are still unless, you know, you have a signed document from the artist that they destroyed all of their files. Yeah, it's you, like those 
where you buy those plots of land that you're a lord over in Scotland, where yeah. you buy like a little foot of land. It's like that. Like you're buy you buy you bought the top little tiny like half a millimeter by half a millimeter of the Mona Lisa along with all these other people <laughs> and yeah. you have a print and this little NFT and that look, gives you a, you know a unique identifier of that little piece of the painting or something. It's blockchain. really out there. It is and blockchain technology in this regard like when when blockchain first started getting big a couple of years ago Kodak actually suggested using the blockchain that they developed for something similar to this to track ownership of uh, photographs being taken by photographers. Mm -hmm. Because you can check back through the blockchain and go, okay, well, it was, you know, ownership was transferred, you know, ownership and duplication rights were transferred from this person to this person on this date. And theoretically, because the blockchain is unimpregnable, that you have a, a perfect ledger of who owns this artwork, who's allowed to use it, and when it changed hands. Which is smart. Smart idea. Yeah. But this is just fucking stupid. <laughs> like I, 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 I have unfollowed several artists on social media that I used to be big, not big, but like medium fans of because they're just like, I NFTs and you know, I'm going to keep following Kevin because at this point I don't think there's anything he could do except like, you know, kill somebody in broad daylight that would get me to really stop being at least a, a passing fan of his work. But right. this definitely put a taste in my mouth that few things he's done have because, and, and, that, and none of that. Everything I've just said doesn't even touch on the carbon footprint problem of most proof-of-work blockchains, which is what most NFTs are written on. Right. Because you, the uh, Tezos, the, the one uh, platform, the blockchain, is a supposedly a clean blockchain. All the rest of them, especially the Ethereum blockchain, are they require proof-of-work computations, which take tons of processing power and... Right now, and this is tangentially related, the Bitcoin blockchain is using more electricity per annum than the country of Argentina. Yeah. Yep. And and other blockchains are starting to come to creep up. And while we're, you know, on this very podcast, was it two years ago, three years ago now, we celebrated the closing of the hole in the ozone layer. Mm-hmm. And now we're we have industry using power in percentages that's never been used since the dawn of the use of electricity. Mm -hmm. And it, it's it's horrible. And even the clean blockchains aren't great because, again, all of this is all blockchains are backed on computation. They're backed mm -hmm. on math. Yep. And so you have to do the math. Something has to do the math and people aren't doing it because it's advanced calculation. So even clean, quote unquote, blockchain technology is still using more electricity than just not doing this would. Yes. Oh, yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. A lot and, more. Yeah. And like. And, and, you know, this additionally in the space, you have, like we talked about, um, card games moving to blockchain and, and other game assets. Um, there's NBA Top Shot, which is a platform of uh, you can buy like packs of uh, it, their little game video clips hmm. uh, and they're different rarities. It's basically like trading cards. If trading cards were all uh, like clips of dunks and interesting moments in basketball games. So it's it's. Harry Potter. Basically, it is wizard trading cards. Um, okay. The chocolate frog cards. But yeah. a, uh, the, I, th I think it's currently still the highest, but a, uh, a NBA Top Shot card of LeBron dunking uh, a basketball sold a couple months ago for over $200,000. Mm, yeah, I read about that. I was reading, I was doing my homework on the NFT stuff. Yeah, it's uh, insane. Just because was, I knew passingly of it, but mm -hmm. I was like, all right, maybe I need to know a little bit more because of the 
the deal that Kevin's brokering and what it means. It, it is interesting to sell, but it, it's basically a distribution deal with whoever ends up buying the NFT. It's interesting. So taking the NFT part out of it, sure. it's interesting in the concept that he's just going, it's, it's kind of elegant in a very Kevin Smith, like cynicism kind of way, because he's basically just going, I'm going to get fucked out of this deal anyway, when it goes to normal distro. So I might as well just do this. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's very Kevin Smith way to handle. I agree with you. I think there's a lot of negative. He's not putting a lot of thought into, but that's also very Kevin Smith. Yes. Yes. So I, I think, <laughs> I think this is a very Kevin Smith thing to do. Cause it's also like, conclusion. what, what exactly when you sell this, right? Like what exactly are you selling? Right. Are you selling a copy of the film? Are you selling distribution rights? You know what? That's the thing I'll be interested about with Kilroy was here is like, what do they get? Cause like Kings of Leon, released uh the first nft album uh yeah. with their last album and uh everybody just got a copy of the album there were no there was no rights or anything else the normal rights for buying recorded media um uh little pump rapper little pump did the same yep, thing yep. and my uh my favorite band from middle school canadian alt rockers our lady peace are going to be doing it with their next album Mm. And that's going to be tough for me. I'm hoping they release it tradi- to, to, to traditional streaming because I'm not going to buy an NFT, right. which is going to which is going to make me pirate an album from a band of whom I've bought every album they've ever made. Yep. Because I'm not I'm not supporting this. No, you know, I'll watch Kilroy was here when it comes to a traditional streaming service because I know it will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, unfortunately cannot follow uh gentleman from our shared history brian david marshall down his new career path he's mm. got a company that's working on the tezos blockchain doing a trading card game and possibly comic book and other stuff in his emergence universe yep yep and it's all going to be nft based and yep. i saw that announcement and you know he's working with zvi and a few other people and it's just like that's astounding and yeah you're on the tezos blockchain which is the cleanest of the nft blockchains but Again, you know, that's like saying it's the least toxic poison. That's yeah, it's a good way <laughs> to put it. It's still poison, and you're still you're still contributing to a problem that we're not actually working to fix. You know, if we as a society were actively working to fix global warming like we should be, maybe the, I'd be less mad about this. But it's like we're just you know, big business is shitting on it, and now like people, you know, crypto bros are also shitting on it. Mm-hmm. And for just, this uh this uh, particular nft to jump back to it with the nft the person will secure the rights to exhibit distribute and stream the film i'm wondering what this is going to sell for and who to that's why that's part of the reason i think it's so interesting is because of what's packaged in the nft so now all of a sudden this this little unique tag carries a lot of weight with it because it's now that part of the contract with when this nft goes out this this thing this little you know piece of data certifies that this the owner of said little piece of data gets to do all these very powerful things very like i said i mean it's about as kevin smith as it gets to be honest (laughs) yeah it'd be really great if it somehow managed to sell for the uh even the inflation adjusted amount for like the 100 and whatever thousand that he sold clerks to miramax for that would be perfect (laughs) that would be very very fitting it would but I've screamed about NFTs long enough, and uh, I do have one more story, even though I scooped your B1, so... That's okay. Please. <laughs> uh, Max, did you see that 
despite the fact that there is a modern-day Dracula film in the works, and a Dracula in the Future film in the works, and a Van Helsing film in the works, there's another Dracula film coming out uh, from the director of the Lego movie. I've run out of fingers to count Dracula things on just now, but yes. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> All of that is still happening. Like, Universal still not giving up on their monster universe, I guess. Because they've yeah. got four Dracula movies, including this one, which is uh, based on a story idea from Robert Kirkman called Renfield. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Uh, apparently, Dexter Fletcher, who most recently, I believe, directed Bohemian Rhapsody, and who I didn't realize is also the director of Rocketman. Hmm. Uh, so, good good couple of years. <laughs> Any music biopic, he's on it. Yeah. Um, but what he was attached to it, but is now moving to do... Uh, paramount's reboot of the saint which if you don't know was a uh series from the 60s that starred roger moore pre-james bond oh interesting uh and paramount's rebooting it and it might have chris pine in it so sure that's interesting i like chris pine but yeah it's apparently a film entirely about renfield while they're also making three other dracula movies why not right what the fuck i don't understand i mean it's i don't understand it either (laughs) <laughs> I don't have any way to explain it, but it is that very movie ethos of one thing comes out, therefore nine other things that are like it have to come out as well. Well, the weirdest thing about this, though, is like Universal's producing all of them. I mean, this all sounds right. It's like if we say Dracula enough times, people might be like, oh, I need to see that. I mean, did it work for Van Helsing? Oh, Van Helsing was wretched. The one with Hugh Jackman. That was <laughs> yeah. awful. I saw that at a drive-in. Oh, Oof. Jesus. Uh, yeah, I don't know the fellow Julius Avery who's directing the new Van Helsing, but mm, oh, he did Overlord. Another one. Oh, I liked Overlord. That was a fun movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the director of Overlord is directing the new Van Helsing film. Uh, That's cool. In the dark universe. Yeah, um, the BBC Dracula was quite good. Yes, that I've heard. Uh, Karen Kusama, who directed Jennifer's Body, which is a film I quite like. Uh, yeah, it wasn't bad. Is I think doing... people pooped on it pretty hard for. You know, Diablo Cody. Like, that's and, the uh, thing, right? People hate Diablo Cody. And what's her name who was in it? Mega Fox. Which is ridiculous because she's actually a good actress. It's people just, you know, they do people, the thing. They love to hate. They do. Uh, so she's directing the modern day Dracula. And then uh, Chloe Zhao, fresh off of uh, The Eternals, is directing uh, Dracula in space, basically. Oh, man, that sounds sweet. Yeah, uh, that's that's kind of interesting. Space Dracula. Yeah, apparently it's uh, an original futuristic sci-fi western Dracula. Or as io9 called it uh, a few months ago when they announced it, uh, Firefly meets the blood-sucking undead. Interesting. And, yeah, and then we're getting this Renfield film and the... Uh, why, why, why are there four Dracula movies coming out in the next three years? That is... Very strange. Yes, like, what, again, did, how many movies in this dark universe have they actually done at this point? Uh, The Mummy, they did... Invisible Man, uh, right? Invisible Man, Dracula Untold. Oh shit, that's right, another Dracula movie. Oh, Invisible Man was just teased, right? They didn't actually, that got dropped right after the failure that was The Mummy, because he's teased in The Mummy. Man, I don't fucking know anymore. Released films. The Mummy and the Invisible Man. Oh, okay. So, allow me to go down the list of fucking movies that are in development right now or currently shelved in pre-production because of COVID. 
Bride of Frankenstein, Dark Army, I don't know what the fuck that is, Renfield, The Invisible Woman, Monster Mash, Frankenstein, Little Monsters, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Van Helsing, Wolfman, Dracula, Phantom of the Opera, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Invisible Man 2, and The Scorpion King. Stand alone! What? <laughs> That's 3, 6, 9, 12, 15 films! I guarantee you The Mummy and the Invisible Man were not that successful. No. No, they were very unsuccessful, which is probably why so many of those are sitting there in addition to COVID. <laughs> 15 are gonna stay films on the slate. That's insanity! That's... Like you said, some amount of money that, that studios will spend on a particular IP is staggering. Dude, Dark Army, which is like the crossover film, is going to be directed by Paul Feig. Oh boy. Oh, oh boy. I got a bone to pick with you to close out this episode. How did okay. you not know Paul Feig was an actor? I didn't. He was on I Sabrina as her biology teacher in the first season. Didn't even realize that. And also heavyweights, which is why I let, happened to listen to that episode recently. And yeah, that, it was, that when stunned you said me. That, I was just like, what? How do you not I, know that? I did not know that that was Paul Feig. I yep. was blown away. No, yeah, no, the Sabrina thing, I didn't really watch a ton of Sabrina. Uh, so I watched was, a lot of that show. Yeah, it's just like, I was a here and there on TGIF for me. It wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a mainstay. Right. But yeah, no, had no clue that was Paul Feig and will now replace Bridesmaids as my favorite Paul Feig thing. <laughs> Good old heavyweights. Um, so I just, I'm clicking around. The, uh, the Invisible Woman film is being directed by Elizabeth Banks. Sure. Fresh off of uh, Charlie's Angels yeah. remake, right? Uh, Bride of Frankenstein is being directed by Bill Condon and is going to okay. star Javier Bardem. I'm in for that. <laughs> that's fucking weird uh creature from the black lagoon doesn't have anybody attached to it uh wolfman is lee winnell sure a fresh off invisible man <laughs> yeah uh most of these don't have anybody attached to them yet so yeah we'll see how the far they get do. and the rock is producing the scorpion king film because <laughs> he stands alone I think we're going to have to wrap up this episode before we get a uh, copyright strike for all of the times you've referenced that song. Folks, if you like what you're hearing, it's www.superliminalfilms.com. If you don't like what you're hearing, believe me, I understand it. All this universal shit is real weird. But make sure you check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Bye, everybody. Lord of the Shit, the all-anal final chapter. <laughs>